We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hello, my friends. I hope you are feeling comfortable in your skin today and blessed. So yes, yes, relationships and life on planet Earth can be confusing. I often say, I wish there was an owner's manual. I know for me, studying spiritual psychology and metaphysics is what brought things into focus and made things on this crazy planet start making more sense. It's so helpful when we can find books, classes, resources, or wise teachers that can put things into perspective from a higher altitude. This can help us to see the forest through the trees and help us cultivate clarity in sometimes our wild and chaotic lives. Well, today I'm honored and excited to be speaking with author, teacher, healer, and creator of Quantum Change, Jean Adrian. Jean has a bachelor's in psychology and is a minister. She's developed something she refers to as inner speak breakthrough coaching and has written several books, including Reframe Your World, Conscious Living in the New Reality, and Soul Adventures. Her latest book, which I'm very excited to talk about, is an owner man, owner's manual for humans. It's called Power Tools, the ultimate owner's manual for personal empowerment. Jean supports those she works with construct a richer reality and helps them create success in their relationships, business, health, and wealth. Finally, we have that manual we've been asking for all of these years that can help us create the life we really really want. So Jean Adrian, thank you so much for being here today on Empower Radio. Thank you, Tammy, for having me. You know, I think we thought for a long time that Dr. Spock wrote that book, but that didn't really work for us, did it? <laughs> no, I, I I didn't personally read it, but my mom said that wasn't really, you know, the most helpful bit of literature <laughs> I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm very excited about getting into this owner's manual that you've written. Can you Can you just tell me a little bit about it and how it came into being? Yeah, you know, um, I I just turned sixty five and I've kind of struggled for. I have to say, you look hot. Okay, <laughs> you are a beautiful woman. So kudos to you. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> well, yeah, no, um, but most of those years, probably from about sixty two, about maybe sixty two of those years, um, I have really struggled with. Um, being here on planet earth you know i mean i I created a lot of conflict and um angst and pain and distress and sickness and you name it um and mostly because my soul wanted to experience all that stuff i'm sure of that um i I kind of like what was i thinking um but hey it is what it is and I've been on a quest. I've been on a quest for truth um, for as long as I can remember. And certainly, you know, even when I was um, in primary school or a toddler, uh, I drove people crazy asking, why, what, 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 you know, and would tell me to shut up. (laughs) Just be quiet, Jeannie. You're supposed to be seen, not heard. Yes, yes. Exactly. That was one of those lessons I took away. And I began to realize a couple of years ago that, wow, wouldn't it be different if we came in with owner's manuals like the TV set and the DVD player and and all that kind of stuff, you know, because we 
we have all of those kinds of things. You know, everyone, everything we buy that's technological and even a lot of things that aren't come with an owner's manual. And what do we do with those? We just put a pitch them aside. You know, we very rarely read them. Um, and we wait. Make a good point. We just try to figure it out. Yeah. And we wait and uh-huh. we don't ever pull those books out until we get in trouble. There's a problem. Yeah. You're so and right. then we go, oh my God, where did I leave the owner's manual? You know, and you start scrambling around crazily trying to find that little book that's going to give you the answer to all the issues of why things aren't working for you. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be a novel concept if we had an owner's manual that we could read and that we could understand the process before we get into trouble? You know, and then especially if we're going to have kids and bring them up in the world, wouldn't it be great if we had an owner's manual that would help and guide us so that our kids wouldn't have to experience some of the struggles that we did growing up? That's so fantastic. That was really yes. behind it. Yeah, I think that's so um, right on target. And I hadn't thought about it before. But yeah, even my toaster came with an owner's manual, you know, but yeah, I, I never read them. I never read them until something go- has gone wrong. And I, I think that's true with my life as well. Yeah. Fascinating. For most of us. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So you, I found this interesting. You actually go into everyday tools like the jackhammer, the vacuum cleaner, the copier to find personal power. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, you know, there are so many self-help books available to us on the market. I mean, if you if you want to know how many there are, go on Amazon.com and type in self-help. Yeah. And thousands of opportunities will come your way. And I didn't want to write a book that was kind of the same old, same old, because um, I've done that a couple of times already. And I thought, you know, this time I want it to be different. Um, I want to you know, do something that's going to be a little bit more fun and uh, also something that will uh, appeal to both men and women, because the most of the people who purchase self-help books are women. Are female, yes. Yeah. Very so true. I thought, well, what a better way. Men really like tools. So why don't we frame this thing around tools and um, allow tools, common everyday tools, to be a metaphor for the tools that we could use if we chose to clear away the limiting beliefs and the baggage that we carry um, and get a, a firmer grip on reality that's in alignment with the universal guidelines and not necessarily the man-made guidelines. I think that's so that, fantastic because I think our subconscious mind really likes it when we can comprehend something from a symbolic or literal perspective. So can you share with me a little bit about what some of these different tools are good for, why we would use them from a spiritual um, perspective? Yeah. So, um, well, and, and the first thing I want to kind of like back up and say that a lot of this insight was channeled insight. It was brought to me by uh, the beings of now, um, who's, which are a group of beings that are here to help us through the ascension time. And that's the only reason why they're here. And they say, you know, when we're done, we're going to leave. But anyway, they, um, they told me that in order for anything to work, you know, as we move into the new reality, it has to be based on the frequency of love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they said that love is actually a frequency. It's, um, it's a tone. It's in, they called it in the 16th harmonic. It's out of the range of the human ear. You can't hear it. But it's the, it is the word that was spoken into being that created everything that we see around us and much, much more. 
And so they said in order for any tool to work, it has to be plugged into love. So they said, so love is going to be your universal power source for the tools. That's our electricity. Talk about. Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Just like we would plug into the wall outlet um, a power drill. Well, right. you plug these power tools into the universal um, power outlet of love. And that's free power. It's unlimited. <laughs> there is no lack, you know. And so Fantastic. that's what drives them all. And then they said, let's start with the noisiest one, uh, the most raucous tool you can think of. And immediately I realized that was going to be the jackhammer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They used to do that outside of my door a lot in L.A. It's like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, are you kidding me? That's what you want to wake up to at 730 in the morning. Exactly. But, mm-hmm. you know, what a powerful metaphor, because the jackhammer has the ability to break through, you know, 12 inch thick cement. Yes. And just to bust it up into tiny little pieces so it can be shoveled away to clear um, the space to build something new and wonderful. So if we've created our reality, if we've built these buildings that, you know, that we live in um, on uh, not such a, a solid foundation, in fact, what if we've created our reality on lies, on limiting beliefs? Well, the jackhammer is the perfect tool to go in and break those limiting beliefs up so that you can clear them away with another one of the power tools. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, they're all metaphors. Uh, I'm using day, you know, everyday tools that we're all aware of, but as the metaphor for what needs to work in your life to enable you to move to the next level. So, But I love that, Jean, because, you know, I've said that. I haven't said, you know, jackhammer, but I've said I felt like there was a period of my life where I was broken down to my very foundation because it was like I was trying to build something on sand. So everything had to be broken down so I could uh, reestablish the foundation. And just like you were saying, that foundation became one that was solid. My desire was to live a life of truth, and that became the foundation of, of love. So love it. I was in the jackhammer phase. I totally exactly. get it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So for the people who are listening, you know, one of the things that you can do um, with your own personal jackhammer is to get a handle on what all the things you believe. And how I did this for myself was I took one of those legal pads, a yellow legal pad, and I started writing one day and I would write down number one, a belief. And I wrote beliefs down. Everything I believed, I was really trying to get to the core of what were all of the beliefs that were rattling around in my head. And after a while, I, you know, it, it began to flow. And after a while, and it was a process of a couple of days, I had completely filled a legal pad with beliefs. Because I think I really thought I was going to write a book on beliefs, you know. Um, but not so much. So <laughs> after I had realized, oh my gosh, I have this many beliefs? Okay, where did they come from? So I went back through the legal pad and in the left-hand margin, I wrote where I thought I picked that belief up. And a lot of them, of course, came from my parents or, you know, family members or my little brother who told me I was stupid or, you know, whatever. Um, Teachers, Sunday school teachers, um, uh, TV was a source of a lot of them. Um, the internet was a source of some of them. And I think we all know that those can't be counted on. Um, but I went through and I, I put down where 
I got my beliefs. And some of them I didn't even know. I probably brought them in when I was born and, right. you know, they came in with me and I just didn't realize. And the third pass through the list was to go back through and strike through all the ones that didn't resonate with me anymore, that I'd picked up along the way and I just took it on face value because I got it from somebody that I trusted or from an authority figure, somebody that I thought knew what they knew. And come to find out, not that really doesn't resonate with me anymore. When I was all done with this, Tammy, I was down to like 12 beliefs that were rock solid for me. So I realized at that point that I was ready to start the design phase of the rest of my life based on those 12 beliefs. So was that that your vacuum cleaner? Um, No, the design phase started with the Freemason's tools, the compass and the square. Ah. You know, you've got to, um, the, the compass, you know, a compass is designed to help you to draw perfect circles. Yes. So I'm a Mandala artist, so I'm, I'm into this. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it does that beautifully. And so what the compass does for us is it establishes our boundary. It helps you to understand, okay, I've got these 12 beliefs that are mine, and now I need to define myself. What is me? And what outside that circle is not me. Because, especially for me, because I'm an empath, um, I was pretty sure everything was me. You know, I walk into the mall and if somebody in the mall had a headache, within five minutes I had a headache. You know, that kind of thing. And I went through most of my life thinking that that was normal. And uh, so it's very important to define yourself, to create boundaries for yourself. So that's what you do with the compass. And then the square, which is the ruler with a 90 degree angle on it, that enables you to create your foundation of your belief system into something that's going to stand up straight and not be like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You know, you've got to... Get it in sacred geometry. You've got to um, set it on the square. The squared circle is um, is a, an alchemist or a, a sacred geometry um, term um, for taking your boundaries and then creating something that is um, in integrity around that. So that's the t- the second tool. Then you come in with your vacuum cleaner. And you clean up all the rest of the debris. So basically, the vacuum cleaner enables you to um, suck up all of the stuff that you have decided is not in your highest good or in your highest, um, you know, in your highest light for you. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit on the OCD side. I admit it. And I really enjoy vacuuming. I don't like cleaning. Uh, don't get me wrong. That's not one of my favorite things to do. But vacuuming I can get into and it becomes almost like a mindfulness meditation because when you turn the vacuum cleaner on and you run it across the carpet, you know, it makes the nap stand up. You can see exactly where you were. You get instant gratification from yes. it. Yeah, that you is know? a good feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, and so then I, can go and I can make the lines exactly right. So I know I have not missed a single cubic centimeter with my vacuuming. And I, you know, I get a lot of joy out of doing that. 
then the vacuum cleaner has crevice tools, which enable you to, you know, take that crevice tool and get into the dark corners and suck up the, the spider webs, or in this case, the wounds or the limiting beliefs that you've brought in with you from other lifetimes. You've inherited them from your ancestors. They're not really yours. They, they weigh you down. They keep you from being all you can be. And you got to suck that stuff out of there. So the vacuum cleaner is the tool that I use to take all of that stuff that is not serving me anymore that I've collected and get rid of it. Wow. That's good. I love that analogy. And there is something really gratifying about that. You hear the ohm of the vacuum cleaner. You see that the, I mean, the carpet looks really nice after you've done it. So I, I've started making friends with the vacuum cleaning process in my own life, although mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of it like that, but I'm, I'm going to start uh, thinking of it that way. Like I'm yeah. This is good, cleaning it up. And you know, um, we're, the, the human is an interesting uh, anomaly. Um, we will hold on to all of this garbage. We get really attached to it and we'll hang it, hang on to it just because we think we should, but we're very organized. We put all of our garbage in particular places. You know, it's almost kind of like when you create the bag to take to Goodwill and you Mm -hmm. stick it in the back closet in the guest room and you think, well, next week I'll get that bag to Goodwill. Well, that's kind of what we do. We we hang on to these old wounds, um, these um, things that we haven't forgiven, old resentments and stuff like that. And our back closet um, is we, we use our chakra system for that. And we use our acupuncture meridians to hold on to all this old stuff. And, um, you know, the ancients have understood this forever, you know, especially, you know, like, for example, the Chinese and the Hindus, um, both of them understood that the chakra systems and the acupuncture meridian systems related to our organs and glands. Mm -hmm. And that what happens is if you allow those, um, those areas to get stuck or clogged up or, you know, where the chi doesn't flow, um, what happens is the organs and glands then will suffer from that. And you end up with dis-ease starts with discomfort. It ends up with dis-ease. So those are the places we have to go look within our body. And then, you know, we've got these etheric bodies. So out in our field, we have chakras and we have acupuncture meridians as well. Might just look like random places out in our field, but uh, it's not. It's very ordered. So you take your... You take your vacuum cleaner and you disengage the hose, you put on the proper tools and you're able to go inside the chakras and clean them out and release all the old wounds that have been stored in there. Um, and then you go down each of your meridians. And just like when you're vacuuming the carpet, you know exactly where you've been. You can see the results of it. And like you said, with getting, you know, getting to be one with the, the vacuuming, you then feel better. You feel lighter. You, um, you get instant payoff from doing that. That's so beautiful because I really believe, you know, we do have toxic debris in our physiology and in our energy system if we're holding on to judgments or if we're holding on to um, unforgiveness, if you will. And so often I work with people that are like, well, I want to be happy and yeah, I want to send to my consciousness, but I will never forgive that person. I'm like, well, and therein lies the rub Uh because that's still going to be a toxic energy in your own system. So you have to be willing to let that go. 
may not happen all at once. But you have to have that willingness to bring in the and vacuum it's cleaner. Not always <laughs> easy, you know, because um, when somebody's done something to you that has hurt you, you know, it's one thing if it's just a little slight. It's another thing if it's something really heinous, like sure. um, rape or murder or something like that. Right. Um, but it it can become easier if we can sort of get outside our our box, our comfort zone. And um, I like to say, go, go to the 33,000 foot view out the airplane window. Um, because, you know, when you're in an airplane and it's taking off and you're able to see everything below you until you get above the clouds, um, you can see all the houses and they become really little. And the little cars are, they're like little <laughs> miniature insects uh-huh. going up and down the roads, you know, and you're able to look down at that and think, wow, isn't that cool? And when you're that far above it, you don't realize, or you may realize if you're really aware of it, um, that there's a lot of drama going on inside all those little bitty houses and inside all those little bitty cars, but you're not aware of it when you're at 33,000 feet looking down. It just looks like peace, love, and joy, doesn't it? Get that, get that altitude. I absolutely agree with you. Look at things from a higher perspective and that can put things into focus. I, I totally, totally agree with you. Something else that you're saying reminds me of something I know to be true, and it brings it back to your electricity theory. Healing occurs, that, that healing, that the opposite of disease occurs when we apply love to the places inside that hurt. Exactly. And generally, if we're angry, if we're upset, we're in judgment, we're not forgiving, beneath all of that is hurt. And we can choose to apply love or plug into that energetic system that's always available to us and free relax into love. And that really does, I think, heal us from the inside out. Absolutely. You know, lack of forgiveness doesn't hurt the other person. No. It only hurts you. Yeah. And crazy. If you can take it up to that 33,000 foot level and look at the soul contracts that are involved, it makes it easier to do the forgiveness work. How much would one soul have to love another soul in order to do the things that they do um, that enable us to actually learn lessons? Yeah, it's I really believe that they're just players in our play. They're just, we've yeah. cast them. They're from Central exactly. Cassie. We cast them. Yeah, and they agree to it. Yeah. But we ask them to do it. That's a different, that's a different level of consciousness. Now that's 33,000 feet. Uh-huh. Sure <laughs> altitude. But to me, that makes things make sense. Uh-huh. Love this. I love this conversation that we're having. This is so cool. So you talk about, you know, releasing the things that don't serve us rather than discarding stuff we might actually need. How can we discern what that is? How can we well, discern that? What do we need to let go of some stuff? How can we be really discerning about letting go what's not good for us and keeping what is good for us? How do we find that boundary? Well, the first thing you have to do is you got to get really judicious about releasing the attachments. You know, so you can't good. be attached to anything because if you're attached to anything, trust me, it's not serving you. You know, and we get attached to so much. I mean, you know, our stuff for real. Um, the people that we love, our kids, for gosh sakes, you know, we think they're ours. Wrong. You know, spirit just lends them to us. We're, we're the biological benefactors, but they're here to lear- learn their own lessons and live their own lives. But yeah, we get really attached to making sure they do it our way. That's got to be the hardest one. I personally, I mean, I don't have kids, so I, I just look at my sisters and their children. I'm like, wow, that's so tough. I mean, I, get attached to my sunglasses. You know, if I don't, if I can't find my sunglasses, I lose my mind. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a parent. 
you know, well, you know the hardest one to de- detach from is being right. Have you ever thought about that? Oh my gosh, that's such a big one. I can't tell you, Jean, how liberating it was for me when I finally got to the place where it's like, I don't care if I'm right or wrong. I'm willing right. to be wrong. I did that thing you did with the legal pad and wrote down a bunch of beliefs. And one of my beliefs was I didn't deserve to be loved unless I was right. And I was like, well, that's really ridiculous. Uh-huh. I let that go. And now I'm willing to be wrong. Yeah. And I just feel so much better inside of my body since I was willing to let that go. It's hugely liberating. And, you know, I've been hearing that that lesson since I was a little child. My mom used to say to me, you know, Jeannie, um, every time you win an argument, you lose a friend. And I just didn't get it. For the longest time, I didn't get it. And um, in fact, really, it's only been the last 10 years I kind of figured that out. And probably in the last six months that I actually got it. (laughs) That's so profound. That's it so was, profound because usually, was. I mean, of course, most of us have heard the saying, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Right. But something I found when you're arguing to be right, it's about making the other person wrong. And most wrong. people don't like feeling that way. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't exactly. make you good friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the tool for that one is the Sawzall um, by, by Milwaukee Tool. And it's this really powerful saw. It will cut through anything, metal, wood, glass, you name it. It cuts through it. And you have to really get judicious about taking your sawzall and detaching yourself from everything. And then, and only then, can you figure out what things serve you and what things don't. So that was kind of a long way around answering your question. No, but that's fantastic. I mean, that's so, I think, helpful. <clears throat> so we're going to um, have to be going to break here, but I'm really, really excited about continuing this conversation with you. There's so many questions I have. I think you're just a wealth of wisdom, and I'm very excited about knowing about your inner speak process. So when we come back, we're going to talk more with Jean Adrian. She's going to share with us information about her powerful inner speak process and how we can actually get a free subscription to them on her website and start using them in our lives as a tool to help us create the life we really want now. Doesn't that sound great? So hang on. We'll be right back with Jean Adrian. Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cats stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn. Or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs. Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. 
lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you, the enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree. Yes, it's that one. The free to be me you. <laughs> Ask your parents to take you to this not so far away place. Come to the forest where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Do you get tired of styling your hair every day? And do you want a good hairstyle every day? Hi, I'm Sarah Schuster. I went on a website called inventnow.org. And after that, I decided to invent something too. Something called the InstaDo. Just imagine, you just put it over your head like a helmet does, and you pick your hairstyle with the buttons on the side. And you can have instant hairstyle in seconds. People like it. People like Jeff Bart. I like it. And people like Kenneth. It's a summer thing, and it fits over your head, and it's great. Thank you, Kenneth. You should go to inventnow.org, and it could help you come up with your own invention. After all, look at me on the radio now. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. You're listening to Empower Radio. Now back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hello, my friends. Thank you for spending some time with me on Journey to Center. And I hope you're enjoying the conversation with Jean Adrian as much as I am. You're so much fun, Jean. Oh, thank you. I love this conversation. I'm having just all kinds of new um, visualizations and epiphanies and a different perspective. So this is really fun for me. Um, when we, when, uh, right before we went to break, we talked about learning more about your inner speak process. So I'm very excited about knowing more about this. I want to learn how to do this. So cool. what is this? What is this thing? Yeah, Interspeak was the first power tool I ever found. Um, it was uh, about 12 years ago, and I actually received this as a gift from Spirit. I sat in front of a computer, and I typed for about three months and created a protocol of 144 files of information. And each of these files has 36 pieces of information. I don't know if you've ever watched on TV um, where they teach gorillas how to speak by holding a big board with pictures in front of them. And then the gorilla touches the pictures and tells the trainers what they want. Well, what Interspeak is, is like a language for the soul to be able to tell us what it's been trying to tell us. But because we didn't know the language... We didn't get it or we didn't listen. And so we just keep muddling along in struggle, in loss and in lack when our soul is going, oh, please, if you just listen to me, I'd give it all to you because that's your birthright. You're supposed to have everything you desire and it's supposed to be easy and peaceful and harmonious. So that's really what inner speak is. It's a language for the soul to be able to communicate with us at a conscious level. And, you know, so I've been working with clients all over the world for the last 12 years. I've actually trained facilitators to do this work all over the world. There's a list of, of 
quite a few of them actually on my website. Um, so you can find one in your area if you, you know, if you want to actually experience the work, you know, face to face, or I work with people over the phone or Skype all over the world still. But over time, um, I learned that there are a lot of people who could benefit from this work, but they'll never make that phone call or send the email to um, actually start doing it because they're scared or whatever reason is. Um, or they won't read a book or they won't take a class or whatever. So I was guided four or five years ago to create a deck of cards because people will play with cards if they won't do anything else. You know, I mean, all of us have our angel cards and our tarot cards and our, you know, um, pick a card, any card kind of thing to inspire us every day. I've got dozens of decks like that because I love cards. Mm -hmm. And so I took some of the more important pieces of information out of those files and created a deck of cards that anybody can use without knowing kinesiology because Interspeak is a kinesiology-based tool without taking any classes, you know, you just do it on your own. And that's been going along now for a while. I guess uh, the first printing of those was maybe six years ago and I'm in my fourth printing now. Um, and I met a wonderful man back, I think, in 2009. I was speaking in Holland uh, at an event there. And um, this was a Russian man who didn't speak English, but he sort of stumbled across me and my cards. And through his translator, he experienced the cards and he went, wow, I can make these into a game. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. really? And so it, his gift to me was to create the online version of the Interspeak cards. And they work just the same as the the hard you know the paper deck, deck does uh -huh. um and since 2009 they've actually been translated into seven languages and i make that available to anybody that wants it um all you have to do to get uh access to the interspeak cards is go on my website geneadrian.com and sign up for my newsletter and once you do that, you can opt out of the newsletter at any point or you can, you know, receive the little tidbits that I send out about once or twice a month. Um, but you can use those cards. I do suggest to people that you only use them once in every day. Let, give yourself time to process the clearing that you do. It seems like a game, but it's pretty profound and it's extremely powerful. Um, and if you do too much, you can throw yourself into overwhelm. So once a day is probably good enough, but you can start getting to the source of of your limiting beliefs and um, and clear them away. That's awesome. That's so generous of you. I think that's so generous of you. I want to get on there right now and and uh, see what well, it has to like say. Me, I'm so I intrigued. Come at the same time. So wait until after the show, okay? <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Let's, let's multitasking. One of my guests said that multitasking doesn't really work, and I have to admit, now that I've explored that. He's right. <laughs> so I'm going to wait. I'm going to be. I'm going to be here with you now. And then yeah. uh, look at that later. I'm very intrigued by that. Very intrigued by that. Cool. So something um, I'm interested in exploring with you. You you seem to have some different ideas about channeling and intuition and about where intuitive information comes from. Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, in the beginning, uh, well, let me just back up and say that I was raised in a very fundamentalist Methodist Southern family, you know, and channeling was of the devil. Um, you know, you weren't, you weren't supposed to do things like that. It never even occurred to me that I should. But uh, 
all of my life, I was fascinated by arcane stuff. You know, um, I always wanted to be a psychic. And <laughs> it is so and cool. I, yeah. <laughs> Because I, I just, I, I, I've always been fascinated by that kind of thing, you know, and I can't tell you how many crystal balls I've looked in hoping I would see something and never did. Um, but, you know, I've played with Oracle things and, you know, you name it, I've, I've tried it over the years. Um, and it wasn't until Interspeak started coming in that I began to realize, oh, my gosh, I'm channeling. And I didn't know enough to even ask, okay, who's talking to me here and where's this stuff coming from? Mm -hmm. You know, and looking back, you know, people have told me, well, that's the first thing you should have asked, Gene. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a should statement. We're not going to go there. Um, All that I knew, Tammy, was that I have never felt so much love in my entire life than I did during that three-month period where I was receiving this information. I felt like I was being bathed in love the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my heart was singing. It was, it was an amazing experience. And quite frankly, I was disappointed when I knew that it was all completed. I thought, I'll never feel that way again. Oh, no. You know, which is absolutely not the case. Um, but as I began doing the work... Uh, you know, and I was so shut down intuitively. Again, okay, it was channeling, but only for the duration of the time when I was sitting in front of the computer. After that, no, not so much. Mm-hmm. And it worked for me because Interspeak is a, um, it's a very left brain tool. You know, it's show me yes, show me no. And, you know, you ask questions that give you yes and no answers and you muscle test and you know which one it is. You know, there's, there was no intuition involved in that at all. It was very straightforward and I could trust that. And over time, I began to see things. It started with angels. I would see angels. And I, I, I didn't believe it until I would ask a client when they had, had finished doing a clearing, what just happened? And they would say, well, this just beautiful giant angel just came and enfolded me in his wings and I felt so loved and I was like I saw that Ooh, <laughs> you know, let's mm. do that again you know I love that that confirmation yeah. exactly so I began to trust that I was seeing angels and then the next thing it was ascended masters I started being visited by ascended masters and I would get that and Finally, one day, I was sitting on my back deck, I was meditating, and Archangel Michael came and stood in front of me, and he said, Gene, why is it that you tell people, oh, wow, I see this color, so I know that this particular angel is here, or I feel this, so I know that that ascended master is there. He says, do you not understand that we're all just aspects of you? And I was like, really? You know, that can't be. I'm not good enough for that, you know. Um, So what I began to realize is that as we move higher and higher into consciousness, we expand what we're able to access. And, um, you know, in the beginning, and and I'm I'm not bashing angels here, but in the beginning, I allowed myself to communicate with angels because I had a frame of reference for angels. And then when I grew in consciousness, I developed a frame of reference for ascended masters, people who had walked on the earth plane and were now helping us from the other side. And then lo and behold, um, one day 
I expanded my frame of reference to include galactic beings or star beings. Um, or, you know, a lot of people call them ETs. And I had really had judgment on all, all kinds of people who were, um, fascinated by ETs and stuff like that. You know, science fiction, that's what that was. And, you know, no, not so much. I'm not going to waste my time with that until right. it started showing up in my living room. Um, and when we begin to tap into consciousness, you know, if we will let go of the things that limit us, then we can actually get to pretty high levels of consciousness, you know, even directly to source itself. Mm-hmm. You know, well, to me, and, that's why I meditate to get out of my mind and listen to my heart. Uh-huh. Whole different, whole different conversation. So, yeah. do, do you have any suggestions about how maybe some of our friends that are listening today can get past their mind and tap into these higher energies, these higher aspects, so they can start to to create and grow and expand? You know, the first thing I think that people have to do is to give themselves permission mm-hmm. to do it, want to do it. Um, and the second thing they have to do is they kind of let go of all of their limiting beliefs around how to do it. You know, for example, we think that here's how we have to meditate. Okay, I've got to sit very still, put my feet on the floor. I've got to put my attention on my breath and I've got to breathe into a count of four and then hold it for a count of four and breathe out, you know, whatever. And so we begin to think, well, if I'm not doing it that way, then I'm not doing it right, which taps into the limiting beliefs about I'm not able to do it. So... You know, I think my thoughts around this are the same as my thoughts are around healing. Uh, I believe that there are four things that have to take place for any kind of consciousness change to occur. First is you have to ask for it. So that would be that giving yourself permission and asking the universe to clue you in, to open the door for you. Yes, the we second have to crack the door open. Yes. Yeah. The second thing is it can only happen at at your level of consciousness. So you got to let go of all the preconceived notions about what it's going to feel like, look like, taste or smell like or sound like. Mm -hmm. Let go of all those attachments to outcome. Um, And then the third is it will only happen at your level of consciousness. So what that tells me is that what you believe will happen it's going to be what will happen. So in the beginning, I only believed angels could happen. And so guess what? I only saw angels. You know, and the final piece of it all is to be in gratitude because it's gratitude that really busts the door wide open. Yes. You know, as soon as you give thanks for what you're receiving, then you just get more. And yeah, you get that, 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 that opens the floodgates to even yes. more to be grateful for. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So whatever method works for you to start meditating, to start listening, then do it. And, you know, for some people, it's just walking. Well, you know, the Dalai Lama called it mindfulness meditation, just going out and walking and feeling the air as it touches your skin and listening to the birds and being conscious of the beauty in each plant and tree, even poison ivy, um, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one way to do it. I get some of my best messages two places, the shower and driving the car. 
you know? And, yeah. um, and I think, yeah, it can be different for everyone. And again, you bring up a really good point. It's not a should. It's not, you know, you should be sitting there with your feet on the ground and breathing. You know, it's like, it's, it's really more about what brings you joy. Right. What drops you into that place of being really present in the moment and in your heart. For me, it's, you know, feeding the ducks or uh, painting. And it's different for everybody. We have to figure it out for ourselves. And there's nothing wrong. There is no wrong way to do it. You can tell if you're doing it right because you feel good. You feel joy. Because you feel good. You feel love. Yeah. That's That's the bottom line. That is your litmus test. Is how you feel. Your body will never lie to you. That's why kinesiology works. So if you feel, if it makes you feel good, if you take whatever it is you're wanting to do and you just hold it in your, in your heart center or in your hara center behind your belly button, you know, and if it feels good, then it's probably right for you. And if it causes your heart to hurt or your belly to tighten up, maybe not. You might want well, it's to- so interesting because I think so many people, and I was one of them, didn't trust my body, mm-hmm. didn't think of my body as my friend, but it really, really is. It's our best friend. If we just, you know, I think I had to just open my mind to that possibility. You know what? Let's be friends. I thought it betrayed yeah. me because it weighed too much. I had all these judgments about, you know, whatever. So I decided. Well, the truth to is you mind. created it, Tammy. Yes, you know, it is. You it's created true. It, was it with your thoughts. Yeah, it was unconscious. I was. Uh, mm-hmm. at odds with my own physical self. And then when he, my body, I did a little um, dialogue with it. And it said, I just want you to trust me. I want you to feed me when I'm hungry. And I want you to sleep when you're tired. I'm like, I don't know if I can trust you. Give me a chance. And, you know, once I did, we're such good friends. I was like, it never, it didn't have to be that hard. No, it didn't. And we oh. do that, that, um, that lack of trust thing so mm-hmm. unconsciously. I mean, how many times have you worked um, or done something because you didn't want to stop, but you needed to go pee so bad, you know, <laughs> and you didn't, you know, because, oh, just, just, I can hold it for just a few more minutes. I can hold it for, well, that's dishonoring to the body, it just kind of like is. not getting enough rest or not feeding it healthy food. Yeah, we yeah push ourselves and and you know the self-flagellation. It's just uh, I've I've decided to err on the side of being a bit more gentle with myself, and I find that as I've done this, that that life on planet Earth has been more gentle with me. And oh yeah, who knew it was really that simple? You know, somewhere along the way, we took on this belief that it had to be hard or it wasn't any good. And that is so not how the universe works. I mean, the universal law of flow is basically defined in that in that children's um, song, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Aww. You know, and it's yeah. been all around us. We've known that song since we were three years old or even earlier. And that is one of those perfect um, metaphors for life. And when we can do that, instead of trying to push the wet noodle up the hill, um, <laughs> you know, then life gets gentle and easy and fun and blessed and blissed. I just want to take a deep breath as you're saying that. It's like, oh, that feels so good. That's yeah. so peaceful. Oh, I love this. <sighs> so um, I love the concept of gentleness and 
enjoyment. Is there anything else we can do, Jean, to really start creating the life that we want? Are there other tools that we can start using or techniques or do you have any other suggestions or words of wisdom to really um, help us, help us manifest the life we want? Yeah, let's let's talk about two because we don't have that much time left. Let's talk about two. The first one is the magnet. Mm-hmm. The magnet is about accepting. You know, we were talking uh, just a second ago about staying in the flow and, and mm-hmm. rowing our boat gently down the stream. Well, when we don't accept things that happen around us and to us or that are given to us, mm-hmm. we block that flow. No different than a beaver dam damming up the stream. Um, and then the water can't go anywhere. Um, and it's so, it's, it's as simple, um, as if you told me, wow, Jean, what a pretty shirt you have on today. And I go, oh, this old rag. You know, I negated you, number one. You didn't receive that compliment graciously. I didn't receive mm-hmm. the compliment. Mm-hmm. And that simple gesture blocks the flow. And the ripple effect of that simple gesture can stop money from flowing to you, can stop mm-hmm. love from flowing to you, you name it, because it's all the same energy. I think so. so. It can stop the flow of goodness in any any form or many forms. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the magnet does. The magnet attracts to you things for you to be grateful for and the proper uh, way to handle that is with two little words. Thank you. No matter you what up, it is. You bring up Thank such you. a good point. Yes, because resistance, it, I do think it causes energetic blocks in our system like the dam. And that resistance can be to good things and to maybe not good things. Like for me sitting in LA traffic, I'm resisting what is. I'm mad, I'm cussing or, you know, yeah. so I, I've seen myself go into resistance about receiving things that feel too good or things that don't feel good at all. And right. I, I'm then I know that I'm not, flowing. And what I think we want ultimately is to feel that openness and flow and connection to source. But if we're resisting anything that kind of blocks it, blocks us up, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And have you ever noticed that when you slip into gratitude in LA traffic, that um, if you just start giving thanks for the things that, that, um, that are wonderful in your life, that (laughs) immediately the traffic begins to part like the Red Sea. My God, that so happened. That's exactly what happened. I was sitting there and I was mad and I was cussing. And then I went, well, what's my problem? Well, I need to be home and on my couch to connect with God. Well, can't you connect with God now? You hear some good music. The sun's out. Your your buns are, you know, settled into this nice car. And I just started laughing because God's there too. Yeah. And wouldn't you know, the traffic started moving. It made me laugh. If people saw me, they thought it was crazy, I'm sure. Going from screaming to laughing all within like 30 seconds. It was so funny. What you're okay, she's bipolar. So, so true. That's good stuff. Yeah. So the other tool that um, actually came in after the book uh, is the telescope. So many people want uh, to manifest stuff in their life, but they get so scattered and they get so distracted that they're not able to stay um, clear about what they want from the universe. And when we're not clear about what we want, then what we do is we send uh, mixed messages to the universe and and what we get is chaos, not 
the object of our desire. Well, if you've ever played with a telescope, you know, you close one eye and you put the other eye up to the lens and you look out and you can see the stars a billion miles away and they look like they're hanging right in front of your face. They bring the object of your desire very present to you in the now moment. But because your other eye is closed, you have no distractions that are keeping you from seeing exactly what you want to see, every little aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So if we can use the telescope in our day-to-day life to enable us to really get clear about what we're desiring to create in our life and bringing it right to us in the now where we can give thanks for it without allowing anything to deter us from our goal, mm-hmm. then the universe just says, yes. Because that's the universe's answer to every request is yes, You know, unless we get in the middle and start sending the chaotic messages like, oh, well, I might not deserve that. Or if I got that, I really wonder how I would feel and, you know, et cetera. Um, Otherwise, the universe would just give you what you want. You know, that's something I've gotten so clearly. We manifest what we believe we deserve. So I've gotten the most important thing I can do is to relax in my knowingness of my worthiness. And it doesn't make make me different or special because we're all infinitely worthy. It's just a matter, you know, some people know it, some people don't. There's nothing we have to prove to anyone. If we can just relax into that worthiness, everything can just start to show up with grace and ease. Absolutely. What a fun way to create. So much different than banging my head against the wall and proving. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. When you, when you start trying to prove or justify anything, you move immediately into fear. And fear is the fastest thing that will stop your manifestations. Isn't that a trip? And it can be a fine-tuning thing. I had a client yesterday saying to me, oh, I came up with this new affirmation. And I'm like, Cher, what is it? She goes, I deserve love even if I am overweight. And I'm like, hmm, I think we can do something with this. <laughs> yeah. Because you're still ending up with overweight. How, yeah. about, how about I'm just worthy of love? And that was easier, simpler, and faster, wasn't it? Well, and I asked her how that felt as she said the two different statements. And she said, yeah, the the second one felt better as she kept saying it. And I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's just like, as you say it, how does that feel in your body? Hmm. (sighs) Yeah. I'm worthy of love. That feels very nice. (laughs) So where does your thoughts around taking the time to visualize come in to play with all of this, you know, in your telescope? Do we... Do we take that time to really visualize and get very clear about what we think we want? Is that something you think is helpful? Absolutely it is. But, you know, again, it's about not being attached to an outcome. Mm -hmm. You visualize what you want and then you give it to the universe and you say, this or something better is mine already. Yes. Don't limit yourself with that attachment. Yeah. Yeah, and when you do that, you you actually you take God out of a box and allow the universe to give you maybe even more than what you saw. But the other thing with visualizing is to see it as though it's already happening. In Power Tools, I talk about creating relationships. And one of the, the visualizations that I suggest is that you see yourself and your new partner doing something y'all both really love. And, um, and I suggest that you see you yourself and your new partner and you're actually facing away from you in your movie so that you don't see the face. You don't see what he or she looks like. You just see them there doing something you really enjoy doing and having fun. 
get into that feely state of fun and connection and celebration and yeah, of love. I I think that's such a great advice. Get into the feely state of manifesting what it is you want without really having to know every little detail. It's that feeling state. Mm -hmm. Because feelings are like the fuel for the fire. You know, you, you get the idea of what, what you want or something better. And then when you throw the feelings at them, the emotions behind them, then that just amplifies it and brings it to you faster. Love it. All right, Jean, we've only got a minute or two left here. Do you want to do a shout out again where people can find you, where they can get your books, how they can connect with you? Absolutely. The um, the single place to do it is JeanAdrian.com, J-E-A-N-A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E.com. And there you can sign up for the newsletter, get your free link to the Interspeak cards. There are links there where you can buy uh, the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or you can get an autographed copy straight from me. You can learn about my classes, my radio shows. And All just things find- Jean. Yeah. yeah <laughs> All things exactly. Jean Adrian. <laughs> That's right. Well, this has been so much fun. I'm so honored that you took time out of your schedule to have this conversation today. You certainly are um, a teacher of empowerment. And that's what this network and my show is is all about. So I'm just really um, happy and honored and grateful to be connecting with you here today. Well, I'm the honored one. And keep up the good work, Tammy. What you're doing is so important. So. Uh, well, you're Don't very, stop. very sweet, very generous and kind. And I'm looking forward to being on your radio show. Absolutely. It's going to be really soon. fun. I'm very honored. Soon. I love these conversations. All okay. Right. So, Brent Carey, thank you for this forum called Empower. Thank you, Chris, for being my producer, my rock star, and my listeners. Gosh, I'm so, so grateful for you. Please connect with me at TammyBPhD.com. Love to hear from you. Questions, concerns, suggestions. God bless you. Take care of yourself onward and upward. Bye for now.